I'm Emily P. Freeman, and welcome to The Next Right Thing. You're listening to episode 86. This is a podcast all about making decisions. It's also a podcast about making a life. If you struggle with decision fatigue, chronic hesitation, or just need a few minutes away from the constant stream of information and the sometimes delightful, but also distracting hum of entertainment, you're in the right place. If you've been around here for a while, you already know how this works. Every week I offer a little story, a thoughtful prayer, and a simple next right step. But a few times over the course of these almost two years now, I've added a second microphone and invited a friend to join me for a next right thing conversation. It's rare, in 85 episodes I've only ever done this four times, but today we're gonna make it five. Most know my guest today as Jim, as you'll hear in a moment, but I'll introduce him as Dr. James Brian Smith, my teacher and my friend. He's the executive director of the Apprentice Institute and a theology professor at Friends University in Wichita, Kansas, where, if you remember, is where I just received my master's in Christian spiritual formation and leadership. It's where I met and have gotten to know Jim, who is also an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, the host of the Things Above podcast, which I've mentioned here before, as well as the author of 10 books, most notably The Apprentice series. So even though I'm finished with school, y'all, I can't seem to stay away from Friends University. I'll be back in Wichita at the end of September for their annual conference called The Apprentice Gathering. It's a conference for people from all over the world to come together to learn about the stories, practices, and community of Christ in the field of Christian spiritual formation. If you join us in Wichita, which I encourage you to do, you'll hear from many speakers, including Jim himself, as well as William Paul Young, Natasha Robinson, Chris Hewerts, Rochelle Parham, and yours truly, Emily P. Freeman. I'll be teaching an all-day intensive at the gathering on September 26th, where I can't wait to spend time leading attendees through a formational framework for starting and finishing creative projects. I'll tell you a little bit more about that intensive at the end of the episode, but you can always visit ApprenticeInstitute.org and click on the gathering at the top of the page. That's where you can reserve your spot at the conference this fall, September 26th through 28th. Like I said, I'll tell you a little bit more at the end of the episode, but first, the second most often quoted phrase from this podcast is one I didn't even say. The first phrase people repeat the most is obvious, do the next right thing. Want to know the second most often quoted phrase? Well, it comes from James Brian Smith, and we'll share the story of it right now. Listen in. I'm so excited to sit down with you today because this is a first for the Next Right Thing podcast. You're the first guy I've the had on the podcast. The first dude? The first dude. Oh, yes. Right? Because we don't, you know, as you know, I don't normally do interview conversations, but some conversations right. are just begging to be had. And so I'm so grateful to have you sitting here across from me. I remember when my husband, John, first told me about uh, this little book called Hidden in Christ. Hmm. Um, it's a little white book. And he was like, Emily, you've got to read this. This I guy, like him. he was like, this guy thinks like us. Hmm. He speaks our language. And so that was actually the first of your books that I read. Um, even though I know a lot of people, I guess, read Good and Beautiful series first. Mm, yeah. Um, that's what I've heard, yeah. you know, just being an apprentice and the apprentice experience. So I have those listeners who don't know. So um, Jim is my teacher, James Brian Smith. One of them. Officially, James <laughs> Brian Smith. But right. When you meet him in real life, he doesn't let you call him yes, that. Yes, Jim. Yeah. By the way, side note, what do you think it is about uh, writers and authors who have three names? 
Yeah. In my case, it's because Jim Smith is super boring. <laughs> and so I had to jazz. I had an aunt who said, when you ever publish, if you do, you got to use all the names your mama gave you because, you know, so James Bryan Smith. I think there's some, it sounds kind of sophisticated. To it does, three. indeed. Yeah. I and mean, you're Emily P. Freeman. I, I followed suit. And that's Penelope. According to you. According to me. I want it to be Penelope so bad, and it's not. I kind of do, too, actually. Yeah, do you now? Okay. Yeah, I kind of okay. do. Well, listen, Jim, for, for those who don't know you, um, which, by the way, they do. They just don't know it yet, and we'll get to that in a second. But you call yourself the Forrest Gump of the Christian world, and I would love for you to tell us why. Uh, yeah, I call myself that if, if listeners know the film Forrest Gump, which you should. It's a fantastic film, one of my favorites. But in the movie, Forrest sort of accidentally ends up meeting all these famous people, somewhat by accident, Lyndon Johnson, John F. Kennedy. He's just, he shows up in these places where he's by these famous people, and it's always by accident and whatnot. And so it just occurred to me as I was looking over my life that God has somehow orchestrated it in such a way that I have come into contact with a lot of, in in the Christian world, in the Christian space, Many of the my heroes, you know, and 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 some of those developed along the way. But uh, I, as a, a college student, I sat in classes with Richard J. Foster, who very significant voice in Christian spiritual formation. And and through Richard, we started a ministry called Renovari, and I got to know Dallas Willard, and of course the luminary that Dallas is, and got to know him uh, along the way. Um, I I invited Brendan Manning to an event to speak on this 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 chapel program, and he came, and we became friends, and I got to hang out with Brennan quite a lot. Rich Mullins, the Christian singer-songwriter, stumbled onto the campus of Friends University where I teach, and he came here to do a music education degree, which he didn't need, but uh, <laughs> Rich came to chapel one day, and we hung out and became really good friends. He lived in our attic apartment for two years, and uh, when I was in graduate school, I, I went to a little event, uh, that someone had invited Frederick Buechner, the great writer Frederick Buechner, to come and speak, and like almost no, like six people showed up, and I showed up because I love Frederick Buechner as writing, and so I, and then when he was done, everybody left, and I was just there one on one with Frederick Buechner for like two hours. And so, Stop it! Yeah, the list kind of just goes on and on, and then through time, Jan Johnson and and all these people that I just kept meeting. And I thought, what am I? Have I did not deserve any of this, but I keep meeting these people. Henry Nowen was really significant to me, um, and on and on. And then, and then eventually, Emily P. Freeman. So uh, I I count that as one right. of the one of the later one of the later, later developments celebrities in that your I, life. Yeah, I got to know. Well, remind me quickly because going way back to that first interaction with Richard Foster, is it true that he had been praying for someone younger? Uh, to come into his life that he could sort of mentor. and Is that true? Did I read that right? Yeah, that that story was told to me by our mutual friend, uh, Marty Ensign. Marty was a part of Renovare and a missionary, did a lot of missionary work in Africa, good friends, longtime friends with Richard. And she said that um, sometimes she was interacting with Richard before I met him, and Richard said, I've been, I feel like God's going to bring a student you know, to Friends University that I'm going to invest in. And and um, and then I came along, and he did mentor me. And then several years later, I was with Marty, and she said, "Oh, so you're the one." And I was like, "The one what?" And then she tells me the story that that yeah, Richard had been praying for that, and then you came along, and so yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and and tells you about prayer and all kinds of things because his impact in my life was huge, and I hope I continue his legacy as well. Well, it tells you about prayer, and it also is a great example 
of doing the next right thing because uh, in so many ways um, you didn't you didn't even know at the time no. you know that that was what was happening but you he invited and you said yes sure I'll learn yeah. from you um, but you didn't know what it was going to lead to which I think is so lovely. no clue no clue when I when I went came into his class the first time if you don't know Richard and I he he loves me he's my friend he'll forgive this but he's short and he's he's very he's boisterous and animated. You read his books and you don't always think that. No, I mean, that's it's, right. It's weird because Richard and I have done so much work together. We used to travel around the country and, and do conferences and people would, I'm not joking, people would came up to me many times like, they were like a little shy to say this, but she goes, they'd say like, I've read all of Richard's books and I, and I didn't think he would be like this in person. I would say, why is that? They say, well, he's he's not very tall and he's very boisterous, but in his books, he seems very, very tall. He'd be like a tall person. I thought, how do you? How he do, writes like a tall person. He writes person. like a tall person. Isn't that the weirdest That's so weird. thing that you've ever heard? Right. So, um, but yeah, so what I walked into his class and I just thought, well, who's this guy? And he was sort of goofy and silly and fun in a great way. But I had no clue because he wasn't super famous then. This was 1981. Celebration of Discipline came out in 78. So, um, he was just a teacher to me, and then and that was wonderful about him, his humility that he didn't put on airs at all. And I just thought of him as a professor, mm-hmm. and then eventually a mentor, and so forth. So I love yeah, that. but it was it was the next right thing for me to step into and do, and it was a huge right thing for me. When it comes to decision making, so can you look back on your life, like say maybe you know after college, maybe some decisions that you had to make after that? Are there any decisions that? You know, at the time, you you made a decision. It was your next right thing, but it ended up leading somewhere that you didn't expect or, um, you know, a, a decision that um, maybe was difficult to make or maybe was something that you really felt like, okay, this was definitely, I feel great about this decision. Is there anything that you can think of in that? Yeah, uh, there are many, but the one that comes to mind as you're asking that question is, it was my choice where to go to graduate school. Mm-hmm. So I know you had the decision to go to graduate I school. I did. But in my case, I knew I was going. I just didn't know where. And so um, I had narrowed it down to a few schools. And it's going to sound braggadocious when I tell you where I applied. But I, I applied to Princeton and to Yale. Um, and so I had I'd applied to both of those schools. And um, I, I visited both of them. So I flew from Little Wichita, Kansas, all the way to big New York City, took a train down to Princeton, had a fantastic visit. The people were lovely. The campus was beautiful. Um, they were warm and welcoming, and, and everything was just leaning in that direction. I even bought a sweatshirt, like, I'm going here. Oh, wow. I was really pretty sure. Took the train back to New York City overnight, got up in the morning, took a train to New Haven, Connecticut. And I'm, I'm sure I'll offend a few listeners here, but New Haven's not very pretty. New Haven is kind of the armpit of Connecticut. Sorry. <sighs> that's disappointing. I've never been, but it seems like it should be it's pretty. It's going to be a downer. Oh, it's, that's yeah. too bad. Well, it's just, well, I won't keep going, but New Haven <laughs> is not pretty, and it, it, and Yale is very gothic in its architecture, unlike Princeton, and so, and and they didn't know I was coming, they weren't welcoming, the buildings were dilapidated, they didn't seem to care, and so my, my entire day there was a downer, and so, uh, and I wrote in my journal, I wrote about both experiences, and so as I'm taking the train back to New York, I thought, yeah, I, this is a fairly easy decision, but... Back to an earlier person that I mentioned, Henry Nowen was a person I had corresponded with, the great spiritual writer. Henry Nowen was a friend of Richard Foster, so Richard gave me his address, and amazingly, he returned my letters. And I asked him in a letter, 
where's a seminary where I can go to continue to grow my faith? And he wrote back, there isn't one, <laughs> which was very discouraging. No kidding. He said, yeah, they're, they're just not equipped to do that. But he had been at Yale Divinity School, so he said, I think there's some people there that will be helpful to you. And so I, I share that, Emily, because based on if I did a pro-con list, which I know you write about somewhat, you're not sure about pro-con is the best way. My pro-con would have been off the charts, go to Princeton. Oh, but, yeah. But something deep inside me said, and it was probably Henry to an extent, but also something just pulled me to make the decision to go to Yale Divinity School. And I'm so glad I did because I did meet some professors that were huge. I ended up meeting my wife. Oh, I don't think That's I knew that. Important. You met Megan there. Yes. And the person doing our sound engineering right now is my son. He wouldn't be here. He wouldn't so be here. He would be, yes, kind of like It's a Wonderful Life. You know, there would be no Zuzu and her pedals. <laughs> if your listeners know the movie. So I don't know where I went there. But nonetheless, yeah, so, I mean, decisions have huge impact, don't they? They do. And they don't always make sense. Right. Which I'm really grateful that you uh, you shared you shared that story because I think so many times we don't trust that pull or that gut feeling or, you know— we don't have a Henry now, and we don't even have a Henry now in letter to, yeah. to guide us, you <laughs> right. know. Um, so that that's good. That's good, Jim. Well, I mentioned before that our listeners know you, whether or not they realize they know you, and it's because of this. The most, by far, the phrase that I quote the most is a phrase that comes from you. Hmm. When I returned from, you know, so our, our graduate program here at Friends, I've told this story before, but we, uh, you know, we come out once per semester, and this is our final one. Um, but we do, you know, total of four times. So the first time I came out here at Friends, did that class, came, went back home and um, joined my small group and, you know, my community group at church. And they had been excited about me coming out and they were cheering me on. They've been praying for me. And so they wanted to know, how was your first, you know, your first full semester of school? What's one takeaway that you've had? You know, if you, what, what have you learned? And I said, well, I don't know if I can tell you, you know, necessarily, you know, academically what I've learned, but I can tell you this. I know one thing for sure, and it's that I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. And when I, when I said yeah. that, everyone tried to grab a pen or their phone to write it down. Can you say that again? Please say it again. So I said it again. And since that day, the people in my small group have, have told me that, that those few sentences have been transformative for them in their faith. And I know that for my friends in real life, and I know it for Next Right Thing listeners, because it is the, the phrase I quote the most often. Sometimes people accidentally say that I've said it, but I really try to give you credit every single time, Jim, <laughs> because it's so brilliant and it's so fantastic. So I would love to, the man himself, you know, since I have you here, I just, I know there's a story behind that phrase, and I would love it if you would share it with mm, our listeners. Mm -hmm. Well, it's probably public domain by now, so you can just quit <laughs> quoting me. Uh, it's 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 had a life of its own. It, the story isn't as great as I would like. I should make up a better one. But in truth, it kind of happened accidentally. Uh, I was teaching the first phrase, I'm one in whom Christ dwells in delights, came about when I was teaching a, a college class, undergraduate class. And I was trying to, to communicate to the students something I thought was very important. And that is the Apostle Paul in his epistles used the phrase in Christ or Christ in us by my count, around 89 times. That's a lot, right? So I just was stunned at the, the sheer size, the amount of the time. And I thought, wow, if Paul uses that phrase, if that's how Paul self-identifies as being in Christ or Christ in us, then 
that should be the dominant way that we understand our identity as Christians. And so I was, I was up in front of the classroom, and I was, I'd written 89 times on the board, and I'm talking about all this stuff. And I said, I mean, at the end of the day, folks, as Christians, we have to understand that we're people in whom Christ dwells. And I turned to the class, I turned from the board to the class as I was saying those words, and just like your listeners, there was a student in the front row, <clears throat> his name is Chris, uh, I'm still in contact with Chris, he's, he's a doctor now, but he was in the front row, and he did what you're, he raised his hand, he said, can you say that again? And I said, we're people in whom Christ dwells. And uh, I could tell when I said the phrase, it was like electric, it had, the phrasing had spiritual energy, and I believe it does because... First of all, it's biblical, right? It's, it's, it's dealing with truth that we didn't just make up. It's not just power of positive thinking. It's actually bit rooted in biblical reality. So I think that certain words and phrases have that kind of power. Dallas Willard told me that he prayed for those kinds of phrases and words because he knew the power. I mean, Dallas said so many things like that. They're so quotable, and I, I, I can't not quote him. I, I would say, Dallas would say, quit quoting me. i say, I can't say it better. Right. If so, someone's already figured out how to say yeah, it. Yeah, I can't say the, that better than you did in the same sense that that phrase, I'm one in whom Christ dwells. And then delights came a little bit later, and that came when I um, discovered how many people have such toxic toxic self-narratives. Mm-hmm. that we can, Well, yeah, I guess by virtue of the resurrection, he lives in me, but he doesn't like me. You know, He just camps out here. But no, he delights in you, and then just dwells in delights is so nice on wordplay with the, with the Ds there. And so then... Once I added that, it just it gained more power because it's teaching another truth that God doesn't just tolerate you, but he delights in you. So the combination of that. And then the Strong and Unshakable Kingdom was really Dallas again, where he was teaching on, on the kingdom's never in trouble. Those who are in the kingdom are not in trouble. And then Hebrews 1 says, we have this kingdom that cannot be shaken. So I sort of took Dallas and Hebrews and a number of other sort of in this amalgamation of living in the strong and unshakable kingdom. And the first time I ever really uttered that was to a friend who was in a really rough place herself. And I just kind of said that to her. And I knew once the words came out of my mouth that that, that's that's from the Spirit. That's Mm -hmm. not from me. So I think there's energy and power to certain words and phrases, and God uses them. And I, I think that's why they have a life of their own. So when did the, uh, was that when, with your friend, was that when the kingdom is not in trouble and neither am I came in? Yes. Peace. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah she had lost yeah. a job. Yeah. And so, and as, she's a basketball coach. So, uh, you know, l- people lose their jobs and it's, no one really knows your family, maybe and friends, but it was in the paper, you know, so I saw it in the paper. So I felt so bad for her. And that's all I could think to say was the kingdom's not in trouble and you're not in trouble. And she would later say to me that all the things people said to her, that was the, you know, because people said, well, you, that was terrible what they did to you or whatever, all kinds of things we say to people when they're grieving. But she said that was the one thing that I could stand on and, and be strong. Because it's so hopeful. Yeah, it's, it is hopeful. And it brings yeah. you back to the reality, the truest reality of living in the kingdom of mm-hmm. God, which is too good. It's yeah. just too good. And and side note to our writers, uh, I think that is such a powerful story of you asking Dallas, where do you get these great phrases? And he said, I pray for them. Mm-hmm. And how important um, wording and phrasing actually is and mm-hmm. that the work of doing that. Sometimes it comes like for you kind of in the moment and it has some power to it. 
then other times we have to work to find that phrasing that works well. And yeah. um, and this one does, and I'm so it grateful. Does. Well, speaking of writers, I think it was Mark Twain who said the difference between a good word and the right word is the difference between a lightning bug and lightning. Like, you know, the idea that what's well, a good word, you know, but the right word is like pow. It's like lightning. It has this life to it, this energy when the words come together in just the right way. I love it. Yeah. Well, before I ask you my, my final question that I've now asked most of my few guests that I've had, um, I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, I'm going to be coming out to uh, to friends again. Even though I've graduated, you've pulled me back. Yes. I can't stay like away. Yeah. Right. It just keeps happening um, to the gathering that you have every year. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think I, there's probably some next right thingers. That's what I call my listeners, by the way. I don't think I've ever fingers? said that out loud. Do they like being fingers? I don't think they do. I might have yeah. to take that out. Okay. Um, but there might be some listeners who, who this would be the very thing they're looking for. So can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about that, about the conference? Yeah, it's an annual conference, and this will be the ninth that we've done. So we've been doing it for a while. And it's here on the campus of Friends University. And uh, each year we bring in great speakers and we have workshops. You'll be doing one of those workshops. I will be doing one. Yeah. I mean, and and I think God's just really anointed this event because it's, you know, it's little Wichita, Kansas. Can anything good come out of Wichita? As they said of Jesus and Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, something did, but it turns out um, that that, uh, beautiful things happen at this event every year. I don't know exactly why, we do our best to bring good people, but people come from all over the country, even all over the world. We have people from other countries who find their way here and come year after year. And it's a beautiful, I mean, the, the conference is really for people who want to learn how to live as an apprentice of Jesus, who want to grow in their, their formation in Christ-likeness. So that, that's kind of what the thing that draws our particular tribe together, if you will. So if people are of, of that ilk and want that kind of experience, it's a wonderful little three-day event here, and uh, in this case, September 26th to the 28th, 2019. And uh, I'm excited for the speakers that will be here and the people that are coming. So thanks for the little bit opportunity for a plug there. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm excited, too. I'll be leading one of the workshops on Thursday, mm-hmm. sort of. It's still conference, but it's kind of pre-conference. Yeah, it's the intensive um, workshops. Yeah. Intensive, and I'm I'm excited about that because I get time with people. You know, it's not just sort of a one-hour thing. It's kind of an all-day yes. thing. Which, you can um, do some deep work there. You can do some yeah. deep work, which I'm starting to discover is kind of my jam. I really mm-hmm. enjoy kind of the small group uh, thing. So I'm really looking forward to that time and, and to coming back, have another reason to come back to Wichita. Yeah, so. and be beautiful in September. Is September in Kansas. Weather, 70s That's lovely. Yeah. Well, Jim, tell us here, last question, what is your next right thing? Well, this is going to sound a little bit morbid and strange, but, you know, I'm 57 I'm an old man, okay, <clears throat> which isn't really that old, I guess, in the scheme of things. But as I begin thinking about my life, I think about how do I finish well, which is one of those things I, I hope people do. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've had people that I don't think finished well. They just mm-hmm. kind of kept working or they kept doing things and then they just, whatever happened, happened. And for me, I'm just, I've been thinking in this season a lot about how do I finish well? I mean, what are the things that I want to do? with whatever time that is. I don't know if it's going to be the typical 65 or it goes longer than that or whatever it is, but I'm, I'm just a little more conscious and probably more um, protective of, of my time because I know that when I say yes to something, it's no to something else. So I'm, I'm in that season of saying, what do I want to say yes to? What's, what's that right thing to do that, that fits how I want to finish well? What a great answer. I love it. Well, thank you for saying yes to this. 
And I'm so glad it that was the right thing. our conversation <laughs> was your next right thing. Yeah, it was. It was wonderful. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, Jim and I would love to have you join us at the Apprentice Gathering. It's this September. The dates are the 26th through the 28th in Wichita, Kansas. Tickets are on sale now, and be sure to reserve your spot in my all-day Thursday intensive called Discern Your Next Right Thing, a formational framework for starting and finishing creative projects. During this time together, we'll explore the question, what if you could approach your next idea with new hope, fresh eyes, and a solid plan? Maybe you've always wanted to teach a class, write a book, lead a small group, start a nonprofit, or host a new kind of gathering, but you're worried this new idea will turn out like all the rest, unfinished and forgotten. In this intensive, you'll identify a current project that matters in your life, your work, your ministry, whether it's something you've always wanted to start, or if you're already in progress working on something, but you feel a little bit stuck. Together, we'll walk through how to identify three essential keys every creative project needs, You'll develop a hopeful vision for the people you're called to serve and find new energy to do your own thing well. Your creative work is evidence of the good and beautiful image of our Trinitarian God. Let's discover how he may want to continue to reveal himself through the unique filter of your personality. Visit ApprenticeInstitute.org and click on the gathering in the menu at the top to reserve your ticket. And if you want to attend my intensive, just be sure to choose that from the drop-down menu on the registration page. As always, you can find me at Emily P. Freeman on Instagram or at emilypfreeman.com and grab a copy of the Next Right Thing book while you're there. You can find links to it there on my website or at nextrightthingbook.com. And don't forget to take the quiz to find out your decision-making personality. You can learn more about Jim, his wonderful books, The Things Above podcast, and The Apprentice Institute at apprenticeinstitute.org. I'll also include a link in the show notes, and you can go directly there. Well, it only seems appropriate to end with that quote from Jim that I'll never stop repeating. I'll change the pronoun to speak to you, but the message is the same. You are one in whom Christ delights and dwells. You live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither are you. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.